Welcome to Diggin' the Dharma, where we dig into the Buddhist Dharma and explore ways to bring these 2,500-year-old teachings into our lives. I'm Doug Smith of Doug's Dharma on YouTube and the online Dharma Institute. And I'm John Aaron, teacher at New York Insight Meditation Center and mindfulness-based stress reduction teacher and teacher trainer and founder of Space to Meditate. Greetings, Doug. Good to see you, John. Good to see you as always. Yes, uh, although it feels like I just saw you the other day. <laughs> oh, Good to goodness. hear your voice as well. Yeah. Greetings to those who are listening now. Always good to have you here. That's the funny thing about podcasting. You just have no idea who's actually listening when, because they can listen anytime yep. they want. So yep. wherever you are, whatever time it is, happy to have you here. Yeah, I was, I was uh, at a meeting yesterday of a bunch of teachers, mostly from the UK, um, who are involved with a, a, a mindfulness a training program in the UK called Breathworks. Mm which I've trained in and often use here, teach here. Um, but the, 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 uh, the woman who founded it and, and who's one of my, uh, just an amazing person, Vidya Mala Birch, was talking about the word that came up both in, at the, well, I think it came up a lot at the World Economic Forum this year. And this word was polycrisis. Polycrisis, okay. Yeah. Yeah. You can't say polycrises because that would be redundant. <laughs> Maybe right? there's many polycrises. <laughs> yeah. <That> Poly <laughs> polycrisis. That's P-O-L-Y, not P-A-L-I. Ah, that's, oh, good point. <laughs> <laughs> polycrisis, that we are living in a time of polycrisis. Mm. Many crises uh, at once. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Many of which are existential, mm. you could say. Mm -hmm. uh, whether it's the war in Ukraine whether it's climate change, whether it's COVID or things like COVID, the world hunger crisis, multiple civil wars, you know, refugees coming from all over, going all over, mm -hmm. uh, and only getting worse because of climate crisis. So all of this is happening at once. And, and of course, it feels like, and it, I mean, it is happening at once, but it, 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 because of the way we communicate these days, we all know that it's happening at once, as opposed to, you know, even 50 years ago, it wouldn't necessarily be quite, it wouldn't feel quite the same. Mm -hmm. And so the, the question that naturally arises is, uh, at least for me and I suspect for you as well, okay, so does our practice and does the Dharma help us manage these, manage how we re respond to these Polychrist, the polycrisis, mm -hmm. but can it also be helpful in uh, averting some of the polycrisis mm. in whatever way that ha may happen? Right. Um, and uh, so, so that's the the, the topic. <laughs> Not exactly a small topic. Yeah, big topic. Um, you know, it comes up a lot. You know, because because someone will say, "Well, what good is your practice in the context of what's going on in the world today?" Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I, there are so many things to say to that. Uh, I mean, first of all, I mean, what's wrong with it? I mean, <laughs> you know, and I certainly, even if we were to agree that, I mean, even if we were to agree, and I don't necessarily agree about that, but even if we were to agree that, okay, it's not going to solve the greater crisis for me to do meditation every day, 
it still solves a little crisis. I mean, my own ability to deal with these things. If I can calm myself down a bit every day and get my head straight and think a little more clearly, you know, I'm not going to be able to solve the, the war in Ukraine, but I can certainly solve, perhaps help solve some issues in my family or in my town. Uh, and, you know, okay, that's not necessarily solving the poly crisis, but it's it's not nothing. Right. Uh, we have to think of all these as being the the product of billions of different decisions around the world. And if we can make our little, you know, our little bit here and there, uh, at least we're not hurting anything and we may be helping things, at least in the longer term. Yeah, I think that uh, there's, I think that's perfectly um, a healthy way of, of sitting with it. And also there's, in my uh, experience, there's the recognition or the awareness that I am, you know, my practice, whether I'm sitting in formal meditation or hopefully living my life in line with the Dharma, my practice is added to all those others doing the same right. thing. Mm -hmm. And that we may not know who all those others are, but having some confidence that there are others and knowing, knowing there are others, of course, mm -hmm. but having confidence that, you know, there are many, many, many people. And I'm not just talking about people living in a, following the, the, the teachings of the, the Buddhist Dharma, but other Dharmas that are also concerned with the world in a way that doesn't make the world anthropocentric as much as it has been. That is, you know, that it's not, uh, that we're not exploiting the world, we're not exploiting each other, but rather we're working together. That if enough, if there's a realization and understanding and a confidence that um, that is happening, even though we may not be able to point our fingers at it and say, see, <laughs> that's mm -hmm. a result of this. But we could have some faith that it moves something. Something moves as a result of that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That actually reminds me that, that there is power in this practice that, you know, both, and then this relates to the earlier conversation we were having about power, you know, that both, this is off, off. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Before we before we got on this topic, yeah. yeah. Um, the the there's the power of our individual practice, but then there's the power that cre is created by cumulative practice. Mm. Cumulative meaning the practice of of let's say the mahasanga, those those who are also practicing and and, and practicing in wholesome ways and living wholesomely and, and you know that does have an impact. Well, it's, I mean, whether they're Buddhist or not, as you yeah, were saying, exactly. it doesn't have to yeah. be, I mean, yeah. I think of it as sort of like, you know, a wave can topple a huge building. And if you're a, a, an atom of water in this wave, you know, you're, of course, you're not going to be able to, to right. do very much, but, you know, your, your power there. Yeah. Yeah, your power in that, in that wave is not nothing. And, right. you know, you add it together with everybody else. Yeah. And to say, well, I mean, you know, look, you can always say of any individual person or any individual atom in that way, well, if you took that one out, it would still not make any difference. Well, you know, 
but mm-hmm. here yeah. we are, you know, yeah. <laughs> we've got to do something, you know. And we don't know that it won't make a difference. And we don't, yeah, true. Yeah. We don't know that it won't make a difference. Sure. So it's, it's, it's sort of going into that not knowing area. It's like, no, we don't know if it'll make a difference. We don't know if it'll not make a difference. But mm-hmm. as you said, there's no, you know, obviously, and, and, you know, um, just in terms of, let's say, a very easy thing to look at carbon footprint, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like the hour that you're meditating, the, your carbon footprint is probably really low <laughs> unless you have the air conditioning, you know, jacked up to, you know, jacked down to 60 degrees or something. And, or if you have the heat jacked up to 80 degrees, you know, your, your carbon footprint is quite low. It was, it was interesting. It was like, there was, there was something in the paper a few weeks ago about veganism. <clears throat> which you know and and it's, it's certainly true that industrial agriculture is one of the prime cul- culprits in climate change climate warming and you know if we didn't eat so much meat uh, that would have an impact and it's saying you don't have to become a vegan although that's great maybe because you know there's still industrial food that can be involved in veganism but if you don't eat as much meat if if Everybody cut back one or two meals of, of a meat product, an animal product, a week. That would actually have an impact, a serious impact, you know. And it's true. And so it's like not like you have to say I'm I'm a vegan or uh, even I'm a vegetarian, but rather I'm just going to eat one meal less of meat, and knowing that that will actually have an impact because others are doing the same thing. And so you know, as we practice in the midst of this poly crisis, having faith that because we're doing it and there are others doing it, that actually does have an impact over time. Still, fear arises mm. <laughs> as a result of the poly crisis. Sure. You know? The fear of when's it going to hit where I live? Well, it already has. You know, mm-hmm. it's sort of like I happen to be in Colorado when the, when the, uh, all the smoke from the fires in Ontario made its way down to New York. So I missed that. Meanwhile, the people I was with in Colorado said, well, it's nothing new for us here. (laughs) We got it here, you know, so it's a good thing that the East coast has finally hit it, been hit by it because there's a recognition that it's not, nothing is local anymore. Mm -hmm. You can't control these things. So that lack of control results in obviously, fear of that lack of control right and uh how do how do we work with that and that's something where i think practice can be really beneficial because mm-hmm. we can sort of start to see the stories that we're telling ourselves and that those stories are just creating fear that doesn't exist because yeah. the story isn't actually happening the fear exists but the story the story that the fear is based on is just a story and our practice can help us see through that clearly we want to recognize the source of the fear is is legitimate in the sense that you know there really are things going on that we can help make better in our small tiny mm-hmm. ways but we don't need to be you know we don't need to be consumed by fear to do that in other words we can do that and not be fearful in other words you know because the fear <laughs> itself is not except to to sort of motivate us it's it's good to, to motivate us to do things but you know we can hopefully we can be motivated without too much fear we can decide look this is the thing to do but i don't need to be running my life you know fearfully because 
practice can can help mitigate that. I remember, I think it was an, a Buddhist nun who came to New York Insight many years ago said that she thought of fear, because somebody asked her a question about fear, and she said, worry, I think fear and worry. And she said, worry and fear are a, a sort of a a negative attitude towards the future, you know, uh, a an aversion towards the future. And so, in Buddhism, we know how to work with aversion. So, you know, it's just a question of sort of, you know, using those uh, same techniques to work with our conception of the future, because we conceive of the future certain ways that uh, that that we're averse to, that we don't like. Yeah. But, you know, I think once we notice that and notice that aversion in ourselves, that pulling away, uh, we can, I think, at least I find that it helps me be more equanimous. It doesn't, you know, you've got to still, you know, do your little things, but but it, it helps you to put your right mind around it. Yeah, it I, think, I think the other thing that arises, if you were saying that, is the tendency to want to lay the blame of a of a situation on someone evil. Mm, yeah. I mean, so it's easy to lay blame on Ukraine. You can lay that on the, at the door of Putin, right? Okay. Where does that get you? Yeah. Right. It doesn't make you feel any better. It doesn't solve anything. It's just like an energy that, that has been, that, that takes away, that takes energy from something else. You know, mm -hmm. we can, we can lay the political divisiveness and, in this country, you know, at the, f at the feet of any number of people, mm -hmm. uh, we can blame the Supreme court. We can blame all sorts of, you know, Donald Trump. We can blame the media, Fox news. Sorry. Yeah. Hey, Fox news listeners. Sorry. Don't want to alienate any of our listeners, but it's easy to lay blame, but, the, but that actually is not helpful. Um, it momentarily feels good, I suppose, but it's not helpful in terms of, contributing to the well-being of the earth and the well-being right. of, of society. Yeah. Um, and, and so we take that aversion and hate even, you know, and turn it into something else. Yeah. And that's part of our practice is, you know, transforming that into something else that could be beneficial. Yeah. And I think making sociopolitical change oftentimes seems to come from a place of, of anger and hatred, but it's not as effective that way, I don't right. think. And I think, as we mentioned before, many of the people who were the most prominent and successful at it didn't think that either. They thought that love is a much better place to start from. Sure. And so, framing our change as, you know, change because we, you know, hate so-and-so, or hate this person, or hate this organization, I mean, I understand there's some energy that comes with that, and some people do, you know, get into that, you know, so get off on that kind of energy. But it, in the long run, it's not it's not healthy energy, and it can lead us to do things that are too extreme and will produce the sort of blowback that we don't we right. don't want or need. Yeah, and so we can <laughs> accomplish the same sorts of ends, I think, more successfully if we try to see through the hatred and leave it behind. Uh, I mean, we under I understand where it comes from. I, I feel it myself. I have sure. to be absolutely 100% honest. Sure. <laughs> I feel that hatred myself. But at the same time, I try, not always successfully, but try 
uh, to sort of not allow the hatred to to influence directly what I'm doing. Yeah, um, I just sort of you know. <laughs> I mean, it's really interesting. We, you know, we, on a micro level, we see it in what just happened in Congress yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, you know, oh, let's censure, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Schiff. Schiff, yeah, you know, Schiff. because he did this. Yeah, this was yesterday from when we're recording this. Yeah, exactly. Sorry. <laughs> a week or so ago. And, um, and it was like, oh, that accomplishes a lot. You know, you know, yeah. you get your, your anger out at this person. To what end? You know, and it, it reminds me of the, I can't believe I've referred to this now twice in two podcasts. This line from Fiddler on the Roof. One of the characters says, yeah, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And we'll all be deaf and blindness or we'll all be toothless and blind. You know, it's like, what's the point? Uh, At what point do you stop that cycle? And, And this actually is where our practice is really important because that, you know, our practice does stop that cycle or can stop that cycle because we recognize that hatred and anger toward a situation is of no use. It can be motivating, as you said, like fear can be a motivator, but acting from that place is not helpful. Mm-hmm. Acting from that place of, of compassion and love has a, has potential um, for longer, for much longer term solutions and and success yeah and it's also not healthy i mean in other words even if we let's there's two aspects here there's the aspect of the external world it's not as helpful i think to anybody else for us for us to be acting out of hatred and fear we tend to misfire on all kinds of ways Mm -hmm. Uh, but it's also not healthy internally if we're being eaten up by fear and anger and hatred which so many people are i mean and you see this on the on the news, and in fact, many of the people who are most prominent, you know, yelling all the time. Uh, I mean, it's like, how, what is this doing to them internally? Uh, yeah. It's it, first of all, it's just obviously suffering. That just goes without saying. I mean, anger is hatred, anger, fears, worry. These are all suffering. Mm-hmm. So you're just miring yourself in suffering for you know untold amounts of time, and then it's just it's it's. It's reinforcing all kinds of, of really not healthy, unhealthy tendencies. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not good for us either. And it's acting, it's actions are all coming from delusion. Mm. From, yeah. You know, not or from, from ignorance in the sense that you're not seeing something. Mm-hmm. You're not seeing something and what you are seeing is, is not true. And so how do we, how do, how do we work through that? And at least stopping to look is a place to start. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because uh, uh, sadly, you know, that's not what happens. Right. And it's, I mean, it's the practice that helps us to see, Yeah. to see the, the problem. Because I think a lot of, you know, before I started Buddhist practice, it didn't even occur to me that anger and hatred were a problem, you know? <laughs> because, and and in, in contemporary culture, they're oftentimes put up on a pedestal, you know, the angry guy. I am angry as hell and I can't take it anymore kind of right. thing. And they're looked at as sort of like heroes. I'm mad and, as hell. Yes. Right, right, mad as hell. But, you know. Uh, yes. Yeah. Once you begin Buddhist practice or Stoic practice is the same way. Mm-hmm. One of the things I love about the little bit that I know about Stoicism is that they are similar, very similar kind of understanding that anger is something to be avoided. And once you see that and it clicks, then, oh, 
okay, you know, when I notice, when I'm mindful, you know, those times when I'm mindful, not not, not all the time, but <laughs> then I see that I'm angry. I was like, oh, okay, you know, that's something to work on. Yeah. And so, you know, when it comes to our current, the life we are currently living, that is the life, the world that we are currently living in, this world of polycrisis, we can let anger really get in the way of our own well-being and the well-being of those around us and the, and and really the well-being of society. Whereas if we hold the polycrisis in a particular way, that is recognizing that, you know, this polycrisis, like everything else, is a result of causes and conditions. If we can do whatever we can to, to, to uh, help alleviate those causes and conditions or create more, rather, can't alleviate the causes and conditions because they're already here, but we can we can create new causes and conditions that promote well-being of society and of this of this planet and we can have faith that others are doing the same and that at least i mean we don't know mm-hmm. you know and it's also being able to rest with ease in the not knowing mm-hmm. which is hard for a lot of us yeah you know, we want to know we want to know it's going to be okay well we can't know if it's going to be okay right but can we at least take ease in this moment. Yeah, and that's one of, in fact, one of the interesting cosmological features of Buddhism is this, the fact that we, you know, time, cosmology, the, the progress of the future is variable. It goes up and down. It's We're not headed towards, you know, yeah. uh, some ideal future as seen some places. Um, so, you know, who knows? Who knows what the future brings? Yeah. You have to be ready, you know, in a certain sense, prepared for, for all kinds of things. But at least if you can start from a place of, of, of kindness, of, of wisdom, that's, that's, a, that's a great place to start. Yeah. And lots of people are, are working on the same thing. So. Yeah. So, have confidence. <laughs> Shraddha, faith, confidence. Yeah. It's a powerful word, actually. Mm. Um, and it's helpful, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, and one of the things that gives us confidence, this is a real tough segue, one of the things that gives us confidence and faith At least is, wakes us up. Yeah, is coffee. Yeah. Uh, so, if you'd like to support this show and uh, what we do, we would love hearing from you. And, and if you'd like to buy us a cup of coffee or two or three or four, uh, there are two of us after all. That's um, right. And, you know, we would be delighted by that and you can do that by going to our website diggingthedharma.com and, and uh, you'll you'll see the buy me the coffee logo and you also can leave comments there so yeah we're happy that you're with us we're going to be taking i think a couple of weeks off for now we have a large archive now we so do you can always go back and listen to the shows that you've missed that's and, right uh, which is actually kind of surprising to me how many we have so um <laughs> It's amazing yeah. how these things happen. <laughs> yes, it's true. All right. So, until then, Doug, Yes. Thank you we'll so see much. You next time. Yeah. And uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on your podcast directory. And please check us out at diginthedharma.com where you can leave a comment, buy us a coffee, and even become a member. You can find out more about me, John Aaron, at johnaaron.net and Doug at dougsdharma.com. 